ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Gabriel Sandin of Ivory Holsters. This was originally slated to be a Tap Tuesday episode, but uh, Gabe and I just had a great conversation, and uh, I want to go with it early. So we get into taking it lightly, avoiding grizz, ivory holsters, and building a company and community. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Gabriel Sandin of Ivory Holsters. Gabe, man, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening, man, and uh, sitting down with me. How's everything? Oh, I'm stoked to be here, man. I'm honestly just humbled. Thanks so much for having me, guy. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So let's jump right in, man. Um, in my normal fashion, let's give it, uh, give everybody some background. Tell us a little bit about your hunting and outdoor life. What got you started and what keeps you going? Yeah, I, so I'm, my passion, I was actually listening to you today, and I know your passion is elk, too. Um, like, just sick about it. Um, so I didn't, I didn't grow up hunting. My dad never hunted. Um, didn't have any of that until I met my, my wife, my father-in-law took me out pheasant hunting for the first time. And I, I shot one pheasant and I was done. I was like, you can kill stuff and bring it home and eat it. I was amazed though. Uh, then after I put down a couple of birds, I was like, I got to kill bigger stuff. And so I, I got to a point where, um, I kind of started researching elk and a little bit of deer. And, uh, I was so jacked to just get out and try it. Um, I think I was probably 20, 324 the first time I ever went uh out elk hunting and the bottom line I was I was just going to go out by myself and one of the guys at, at work was like yeah don't do that you you know your first time out you don't want to go by yourself so he ended up bringing me to the place where we still hunt now and it has been I didn't kill one the first year but I killed a cow the second year and I was done I honestly and I I know you've felt it too I've seen your emotion in it but I was so so jacked and so um thankful for that one and it was a a yearling I mean it's still it was a decent size for, for an elk. It was still probably a couple hundred pounds, but, um, I was so thankful and this like immense gratitude kind of washed over me. I got all choked up over it and 
Um, it was, it was just, I was done after that. I'll do it every year for the rest of my life. Uh, as long as my body will let me, it's, it's just nothing, nothing like it. Man, as soon as you start talking elk, <laughs> I go, I, I get all emotional. Um, yeah, I, there's not, there's no words that I can put on it that actually describe how you feel. Like I posted, you know, today and I was just going through pictures <clears throat> looking for that post of the day. Right. Because it's so freaking necessary. <laughs> and I saw a picture and I'm just standing, I'm looking off of a cliff. The sun is coming up. And I remember that moment, like I was there yesterday. And it's just those, those small moments, man, of, you know, that, that cold chill coming up that cliff face, that sun coming up. And then just hearing that scream often, you know, a mile off. And it's just unbelievable, man. That animal has done something to me that uh, I don't think is ever going to be taken away. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's absolutely nuts. And so you, 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 I mean, I saw the one that you posted today and I think to myself, like, I know there are a lot of folks that that are uh, super hot and bothered by trophy hunting. And I think we have a different, you know, as hunters, we have a different uh, definition of trophy hunting than what, what they do. But um, for, for myself, I've got, uh, I'm staring at one now. I've got uh, three and I'm not a great hunter, right? But I've, I'm trying my ass off to try and, and become better. So I've got three bulls on the wall, uh, one buck, and it's not about the, you know, the rack in any way, shape or form. Every time I look at that, every time I walk past it, it's a memory. So that picture that you're talking about sparks something, right? And gets those whatever neurons or mirror neurons or whatever it is in your brain firing. And it's a memory. It's not just a trophy. It's a, it's a memory of who you were with and, and that emotion um, to the point where, like you said, you, you start talking elk hunting and you get all excited immediately, emotional. It's just, it's awesome, man. I can't, I've never done anything like it. I've been trying to avoid it. <laughs> it's, I'm running a late season archery tag and, uh, the best I could do to just try and keep elk out of my mind because it's like, I, I want to be, I, I, I value the time in the woods more than you know, that big buck, I guess. Right. So, so my tag selection is the longest seasons I can possibly have here in the state. So I get my early archery season, which goes for three, four months. Yeah. Three months. And then I get my late, when does that start? What's the start? <laughs> uh, July, it starts in July and runs through the end of September. Holy crow. Yeah. Holy crow at 116 degrees. Um, that's where, that's where it hurts is, yeah. you know, you got about two hours in the morning. Um, if you're lucky, cause most times by, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, it's almost 90 degrees. And then, you know, you'll have an hour in the evening, um, to try and do it again. It, it's a rough, it's a rough go, but again, it's that extended season. And then my late season archery goes from early October all the way through December 31st. Are you so on that early stuff, like July, early August? Are you are there guys out there that are just consistently killing stuff in 116 degree weather? No, not so. The the area that I hunt, it sucks. Um, you you may see one or two guys here or there. Um, a lot of the guys will be like Central Coast, um, Northern California. That 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 zone goes from basically San Francisco or just south of San Francisco all the way down to the Los Angeles the Northern part of the Los Angeles County border. Um, right. so it's, it's call it just shy of a third of the state. 
Um, and a lot of it is coastal. I don't know if, how familiar you are with California, but from the five freeway all the way to the coast. So that coastal mm-hmm. area, you know, you'll get 70s, 80s. There's some stuff that you start getting a little bit further inland um, off of that coast and you'll start seeing those temps creep way up. But yeah, it's I mean, there's guys that go out and kill it. But a lot I would say the vast majority of folks are avoiding those, you know, high desert type situations where it's just brutal. Yeah. What, so real quick, what elevation are you like? Would you say average where you hunt there? What elevation? Probably right around thirty two hundred feet. OK. And I know you said you were out of Colorado this year. Yeah. 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 So. Yep. So did that. How was that for you? I mean, I'd imagine you were between eight and ten, eight. And we were seventy four hundred to ten thousand. And it, how did, it wasn't bad. Um, the out the altitude. The, or the elevation does a little bit to me, but you know, we spend all this time prepping and getting ready for season. We, I have two local peaks that go up to almost 10,000. So I'm able to get that exposure, oh, you know, wow. get that little acclimation and then, you know, go out there and get your butt kicked a little bit. And I feel it, but I don't feel it to the point where I got headaches and I'm getting, you know, altitude sickness, things like that. So it's not, it's not yeah. horrible. And then when you suffer through, two and a half months of 116 degrees, you'd be surprised what your body's ready for in just dealing with that temperature and exerting all that energy and pushing your body to the absolute like orange pee limit. Um, that doesn't That's, sound good, but it, it, it helps. <laughs> no, I bet. I, I, I'm, I'm a, and I've said this a hundred times. I'm a big Sally girl, especially when it gets hot. So mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I come from a long line of dudes that sweat. And so, I'm a bit hairy, like all around. And so I hate, hate with a fiery passion sweating. I, I, I mean, I love elk hunting more than just about, I mean, in my, my ranking is like God, my wife and my boys, I got three little boys and then elk hunting. And I don't know that you could get me out for elk hunting in 115 degree weather. I just, it seems like torture. To a point it is, but that I guess going back to what I said, it's about time in the woods, right? So that's true. No, that's true. I I want to I want to experience not just the chase, but I want to experience my lowest low and wanting to quit a million times throughout the day and keep going. And and that's a lot of what it amounts to for me at this point in you know in my hunting career is how far can I take myself safely? Of course, right? I, I still want to come home to my family. But I yeah. like to push my limit. I want to I want to feel that that almost spiritual growth when I'm out in the woods. Um, and then yeah. back to those seasons, I pick those long seasons. They're they're that long for a reason. Right. The success rates are low. The deer numbers are low and the terrain typically sucks. Um, it, it's just, you know, they're they're not I'm not going to go and be highly successful every single year and, uh, and have this giant buck. I may get mid mountain like this one I'm hunting now. I may get mid mountain, which is about 7,000, 7,500 in there and see a doe and end up arrowing her just because where she's at. And I like the situation. And that's really what it amounts to. I love those situations, man. It's just, there's nothing like pushing yourself to where you thought you couldn't go and then walking away from it, you know? No, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. So mine, mine is the, the, not, not, I shouldn't say the opposite, but my, my mental grit, uh, cause that's what you're talking about, right. Is just pushing yourself to the point, like where your book, everything in you says, stop it. You're hurting me. And, and you're like, nah, I think I'm going to keep going. My mental grit. I've got to, you know, we talk about, I, I, I um, 
like I listen to Aaron Snyder sometimes, and that dude is just like ridiculous. Um, but he's got a level of mental grit that a lot of guys just don't have. And I, I know what, where, where my level of grit is. And I know that I'll never be Aaron Snyder level, but I, so I got to practice that. Right. So I have this thing inside of me that, that, uh, like I've always wanted to pack out an elk by myself and thank God I haven't had to do it yet, but <laughs> man, there's something inside of me that's like, yeah. you get up there, kill one and pack the entire thing out with no help. Um, and I've come, I've come close, right. Um, and especially when we put down a couple at a time and I end up packing out, you know, half of one and half the other, but I just have this like almost boyish thing inside of me that says before I die once I want to, I want to like pack out one. I think that's my, you know, one of my limits that I want to see. I just want to see if I can do it. Um, so I know I talk about like mental grit and I, I know I'm, I'm honest with myself and I, I kind of know, um, I'm pretty self-aware. And so I got to do stuff throughout the year to try and, and build my mental grit because I'm the kind of person that has in the past gotten up into the woods and I'll be there by myself for, you know, like three, four days. And I start to miss the wife and miss the boys. And I'll talk myself out of the woods if I'm not building it right throughout, throughout the year. You ever go through any of that where oh. you're like, you'll, you'll talk yourself out of being where you know you should be and, and blame <laughs> it on, you know, the wife wants me home or the kids want me home. And it's not that. It's it's me being a Sally girl, you know. I I don't know. I, so I've been a Sally girl several times, right? And I've made six hour drives, got suited up, and go, man, I miss the wife and kids, and got undressed and drove home. And yeah. I, you know what I mean? It, it's just, and I don't think it's where you where, where you should be. It's where you want to be, right? At that moment, I wanted to be at home with my wife and kids more than I wanted to be hunting. Maybe I don't know why the heck I didn't realize it <laughs> before I made it six hours and started suiting up, <laughs> but I, I've right. been there. And I think we've all, you know, we've all been there. I've had busy weeks at work and, you know, I felt like, dang it, why, you know, why did I come up here to hunt? You almost feel selfish about it at some point, right? It's like, man, why did I make all this drive to hunt? You know, work's been crazy. It's been crazy, you know, at home, whatever. So much going on. I just turn around. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's Sally girl. I have an immense love for my wife and children and I'll make that turn around at any point, you know, I mean, even with my elk hunt this year, I was, my boy was going to come home after 11 days. Um, and I was going to stay and I go, you know what? That's not capping off the trip together. Part of that, that whole trip was the road trip part, right? Going in together, yeah. working our butts off and then coming home together, successful or not. So I pulled the plug cause he was beat. He was done. Um, and I don't How want him he? to hate it. He's 17, Okay, but I didn't want him to hate it. So it was like, okay, you're at your limit, pull the plug, you know? And I, I think it's, it's where, again, where we want to be more than where we feel like we need to be at the time. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does in my head as no, I say it. It. <laughs> it, it. it does. I have this. So I, I know she, and I, I, she's, my wife is unbelievable. She's just amazing. And I'm, I know a lot of hunters have, have that same and a lot of guys have that, right? The amazing wife that's very supportive. But but when I leave, I got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old. And she's, she. I mean, if I'm going by myself or even up with the guys on a hunt that I can't take them on, it's, I, I mean, she says she feels like a widow and I've just like abandoned her with three kids. And so I, I, there is a part of me that goes, man, you're kind of, a, you're kind of an ass for, <laughs> for, leaving her but then i get home and especially if i come home without me i feel like i failed right? right i feel like there are times where i'm like your entire trip was based around bringing this rocket fuel protein home to your family 
and you didn't even do that. So I'll beat myself up a little bit for, you know, a while to just, just under the flag of you didn't, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You're, you gotta, you're not a hunter anymore. You're a gatherer now. You may as well go buy some vegetables. <laughs> that's a, that's a big pill, dude. And I, and as hunters, we've all been, anybody that says they haven't been there even throughout, a, you know, an entire season, I've had years where I didn't, it was like, I didn't even see an animal. Um, but that's, I think it's a lot of us and we, and you just, it's like a, a knife to the heart, man. When you don't, we're not out there, like you said earlier, you know, trophy hunting. I, I hate to use that term, but you know, it, it puts yeah. it in perspective and it is just a knife to the heart when we don't put that meat in the freezer, man. Yeah. I wonder, I think that's maybe, maybe some kind of like primal caveman thing where that's what we were, we were built to do, right? We're, especially I would say as men and you can call it chauvinistic or whatever, but I think we were built to do hard stuff. And, and when I, when I go out and I try and do the hard stuff and it doesn't work out like I want, I, I tend to tend to uh, yeah, get Sal- that feeling that we're talking about. Yeah. There's your, that's the Sally girl right there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sally girl yep. couldn't punch the tag. I was, we were laughing cause we went out over the weekend and um, my buddy, he hasn't arrowed a deer in a while and put him on some, put him on some does and he got up, got a draw deer, didn't step out. You know, he had to let down, he's shaking and you know, all, you know, it is holding for a minute, minute and a half. And, yeah. uh, I was laughing. I go, you know what, man, we couldn't arrow a doe. Um, I think you need to take up surfing and, and just call it good, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're in California, man. Just, just go with the surfing and, and it's all good. We'll be cool. I think the same thing. I'm like, sweetheart, I'll, I'll harvest all the crap out of the garden this year because I'm not bringing meat home for sure. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not an easy pursuit in, in any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't care what state you're in, right? Because you, you start talking Colorado, giant elk herds, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's such these large, vast expanses of land that it doesn't matter if the elk herd is that big when you have that much ground to cover. Um, you know, here in California – herd numbers are low, low, low. Um, they've been on the decline They're, you know, they keep declining. It's just a rough go, but I think that's the draw too. Can I go get this done? You know, in, in the face of all this suck and, you know, tribulation and everything else, yeah. I, that's the draw to it. Well, there's a, so now I'm a big, big into like, I, I was before the boys were born, I was doing like some, just some local club bass fishing and stuff like that. And whenever you don't catch fish, I tell myself, well, like the, the really good guys always seem to catch fish. Right. And it's the same way with elk hunting. Like the, there are guys that consistently every year will kill stuff. And I, I want so badly to be one of those guys. I mean, like my, I, I would love to hunt. I don't know if you know, Paul Medell, the guys mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I love Paul Medell. I'm like a fanboy for him. Uh, him and obviously Corey Jacobson and these guys were, I'll go out into the woods and I try my, you know, my hardest and don't come home with something. I'm like, how are these guys doing it? And I'm starting to realize, I'll, I, I think, I think a lot of it is more time in the woods. Oh, um, that's it. And when I say that, I mean like not, not necessarily, although it is more time learning in the woods, but a lot of it is I, the guys that are consistently killing them. And I'm not saying anything bad against these guys. They've worked their asses off for it at, but a lot of the guys that are killing them consistently every year, they're, they can be out there 14 days, to, you know, 20 days throughout the archery season. And so I'm trying to get to that point right now where I can, I can be gone for, you know, 14 days. But right now, my longest time, my longest stint's been about four or five days. Um, and then I come back and I'll pick up the two older boys and we go up kind of for a bow hike. Um, 
for the last couple of days. But yeah, I think I just bottom line need to I need to spend more consistent time in in the deep woods um, to try and and be more consistent. If that makes sense. No, I, absolutely, I, and I would agree with you. Right, the more time you have that one season. It, <sighs> the more likely you are to find that success in, and, and I use that word success, but everybody yeah, knows no, where I stand on that. Um, yep. Because you can take, you know, 11 days in the woods this year. Well, by the time it comes around next year, it's almost, it's not starting over unless you're in this, you know, if you're in the same area, but to a point it is now you're learning yeah. where they're at and what they're doing. And no, I agree, man. Um, I spent, I think I'm over 30 days thus far. That's awesome, man. Yeah, who are you telling? And this is the first time that I've ever had that amount of time in the woods in 20 years of hunting. And it was because of, you know, my kids both played sports, fall sports at that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the time that my wife is having to figure that out and, you know, jump back and forth. Well, now, you know, my daughter graduated college. My son is, you know, he's 17 and, and doing his thing. Um, so I told my wife when when he stops playing football – I'm hunting like a madman and she's like, right. have at her, you know? And I, and <laughs> yeah. what I've learned this year, even, I mean, not even talking about elk, right. Cause I'm still a preemie in that world, but even what I've learned with that amount of time with the deer that I'm chasing, I could, I could actually take the last couple tags I have, put them to the side, call them tag soup and be satisfied because I've gathered so much information from all that yeah. time, just consistently, you know, weekend after weekend after weekend. Yeah. So I, I, was there a time in your life? And I'm asking because again, I'm self-aware and I'm, I'm being honest with myself. If I go up and I don't kill something, I'm not saying I turn into a jerk and I'm, I'm pissy with people, but it hurts still. So when I go up, my goal is, as much as of, of a good time as I have with the guys in the woods and, and facing them and hearing bugles and all that stuff, the, the goal is to kill one and bring home meat. Was there a time where you would not consider a hunt successful unless you actually killed something at, at some point in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Is, is I, actually, that- I actually took a year off, which I regret to this day. I believe it was either year four or five. And I, I'm, self-taught right so when i when i started hunting we didn't have social media we didn't have all the the you know downloadable information so it was you know a magazine here a magazine there some tree stand stuff from the midwest back east that i'm watching i had no clue and i i think i went three years dude without even seeing an animal like did not see an animal and so i think it was year five yeah because year four i saw this massive mule deer um shook like a like a baby's rattle <laughs> and uh, right. that thing was gone and the next year i'm like why am i doing this i'm a, you know my kids are super young i'm away from my family i'm wasting money um and i i was just like you know what screw this stuff i'm i'm not doing this anymore i'll figure out i'm surfing <laughs> and i and i didn't hunt the next year and i remember going what did you just do you put all that time and energy in and you and to man to this day i regret it and after that that was kind of the turning point when i realized what i was missing that reflection that year showed me like man you're out there you're you know you're sitting there freezing but it's beautiful and and that's really where the where it started to click with me um it was stop focusing on punching that tag and just start absorbing everything i can yeah no, that makes total sense. Uh, 
if you couldn't tell I'm a big fan of Corey Jacobson, but he, he says something all the time. He says a guy or, or a gal, right? A hunter only gets so many Septembers and that's starting the older I get, I'm 38 now and that's starting to resonate. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I, I'm positive. I don't have another 50 Septembers in me, at least not in the woods. Right. I know that's, and that, that number is, that's small. I want 50 more. Right. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. When you put it in perspective, like I, I mean, if, if I only get 20 more Septembers, that's not enough for me. And I really need to make it an effort and make it a point, obviously making the balance between that and family, right. To try and get out there every year. It's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit sick about it. Now my wife will tell you, I'm, I'm stinking nuts. I, I happened to actually, I, I turned a, I was thumbing through Instagram today and I, I clicked on the sound on one of the videos and it happened to be somebody blowing an elk bugle. And she looked at me like, like this look in her eye that was like, I thought we were done with this for the year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry, sweetheart. It's like the flu. I can't get rid of it. It's just a sickness. Yeah. It's crazy, man. But on the other side of that, it's such a beautiful experience. It is an absolute beautiful experience. You know, with all the sacrifice that we make and, and again, I feel like sometimes it's a selfish venture, but we're, I feel incomplete without it. My wife knows that I'm a better man if I'm spending time in the woods. Yep. And, and so that is a really good point. And I, she, mine says the same thing because if you put it into like terms of what the alternative is, I'm not, I'm not doing drugs, right? I'm not out at some, at some nudie bar. I'm not in all honesty in any bar. I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to be selfish about something and I am selfish about my elk season, at least it's something that's wholesome and it doesn't take me away from, from her and from God. And right. It's, it, it brings me closer to my family and closer to, you know, um, just all of those wholesome things that we need. So she, she gets it, but at the same time, she's home for, a week with three little, I mean, my boys are amazing, but they're, they're still boys. Right. So she's, he's on with three boys and I'm sure there are times where she could punch me square in the face when one of them, you know, they seem to always get sick around hunting season or at least one of them does. And I'm not there for it. So, but yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah. Big shout out to your wife. Cause, uh, three boys at two, six and eight, man, that is a handful. They're They're the coolest. So one of the things, man, just kind of, you know, checking out Ivory Holsters and then scrolling through your page there. One of the things that that I appreciated was your ability to have a sense of humor um, and taking things lightly in the face of, for the lack of a better explanation, what we see on social media. Right. Um, Yeah. No offense, anyone. But it seems like there's a lot of fake a lot of qualifying to someone else and in my opinion and it's just my opinion missing the point of everything that we've been talking about thus far yep i couldn't agree more some of the posts yeah, are of- hilarious man so why don't you give us just give us a little bit what why is it important for you to take that lightly what's well, fun? you know the funny thing is is um i think i get and I don't, I don't mean to, again, this is me trying to be self-aware. I, I seem to, at least to myself, to be funnier when I'm in that, in the woods. So you, you talked about how you're a better man when you get out there, right? I'm a, I'm a better, I'm a better man for sure when I'm out in the woods and I'm a better man when I come back too. I think a part of that is, is like 
really just, I think as a part of my personality, I really, I have never been one to want to hang out and have super, um, I would say, I shouldn't say snooty conversations, but fake conversations. I really don't have a whole lot of time for, for that. And same thing with friends too. I don't have a whole lot of friends that I wouldn't die for. And, and same with them, with me, right? I, I, the kind of people I keep are the kind of people that are willing to die for me and, and me for them. And so I just don't, I'm, I, things that are, are fake, I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for. Um, and you're exactly right. There's a lot of that, right? Where, where I think there's a lot of folks trying to put on uh, airs and trying to impress folks. And I, I, and I take some shots for it every now and again. I mean, there are guys that don't get a sense of humor and they think I'm a jackass. Um, when I start talking about like, <laughs> one of my favorites, I, I, I did a video on, I call them elk hunting pro tips. But I did a video on making sure that when you, when you poop in the woods, when you go to wipe, you take your release off. Otherwise you're going to dip your release. In your <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and some guys are like, are you serious, man? And, and, and they just don't, they just don't get it. And so I, I kind of, that to me, when someone doesn't get my sense of humor, makes me want to ramp it up even more. Right. I think the world needs a lot more humor and a little, a little less seriousness. Um, and so that's kind of my, I, I shouldn't say my wheelhouse, but that's, that's what, that's what I'm most attracted to is you know, humor. So I try and try and keep it light. And it is light, right? And it's not, at least in my head, and I'm, I can be pretty crass, but it's not off-putting. It, it, it's taking a situation that you take serious, but bringing light to it and enjoying it. Like you have a special, you have a special knack for tracking elk. <laughs> <Aren't you? laughs> we're not going to let that, one, we're not going to let that one go by, man. Cause that, that is probably pro tip number one. So yeah, why don't you was... give us a little bit on your, on your elk tracking secrets? That was a good one. There was a, I think it was awesome. I was actually really flattered. There was like a Canadian TV. I posted on Facebook and there's a Canadian TV show that, that picked it up and, and ran with it. But it was, uh, so I'm like standing in the woods, full camo. I might even have face paint on and doing these stupid elk hunting pro tips, um, that no one would believe, but my face is so serious that there are people that are like, is he, is he serious? So I, I literally did one on when you like, so I'm whispering and I'm like, okay, so to, to be sure you know which way the elk are going. When you come across some fresh elk scat, pick up one nugget, put it in your mouth, and you can tell which direction they went by the way it tastes. And so, and so I put that out there thinking that the entire world knows it's a joke. Like, why would you ever put elk poop in your mouth? But, <laughs> but there are some people out there that are like, is he, is he, are you serious? Does that, does that work? I'm like, oh, it totally works. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you send me really the video you, you can tell immediately they went west right? <laughs> send me send me the video when you try it i'm gonna post that for you yes, so we can show absolutely. everybody that this is working because i want to see it oh, too yeah it is funny and then there are the, the you know some of the funny duddies that are out there like you're such a jackass and i'm like yeah i know that's why i posted it so <laughs> i think it's hilarious man i think it's important to take this stuff lightly i i don't know and again opinions are opinions mine is where we just take ourselves way too seriously with the qualification thing you know i yep. i don't know i i hate to see it it is what it is there, there's so much that we miss when that's the importance you know hunting is it's magical, man. It's a beautiful thing. It, like you said, it brings us closer to God. It makes us, again, better people. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love it, man. Keep it going. I'm, I'm not yeah, going to put any elk poop in my mouth, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that means a lot. I, I did a, uh, I did one. I'm standing in my garage and I, 
I, I did one on like, I made this ivory holsters coming out with a new product and I'm real serious about it. And it was super expensive in research and development. We're coming out with our own bugle tube. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> taking a, a vodka bottle and cut the bottom out of it. And, and it actually sounded pretty good. Um, but, but it actually, uh, one of the Facebook uh, pages I was on actually booted me from it because of that. They didn't watch the entire video. And they literally thought I was plugging some new product. Um, it was funny. They, they, they put me in like jail for whatever, three or four days. It was hilarious. So I had to go back and repost it and go, look, it's a joke. Watch the whole video. Um, but yeah, we just, to your point, it's life is way, way too short. You only get so many Septembers. Enjoy, enjoy the funny stuff, right? Heck yeah. You have to, man. You have to. What is it about yeah. if, if we're not, you know, it, I don't know. It's crazy. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, what, like, no, and I, and I would say this for relationships too, right? What, I mean, and I, I, I would imagine they're out there, but one of the things my uncle told me when I was coming up was like, what, what woman wants to be with somebody who's serious all the time and who's like angry or, or, or even, yeah, even not, even if they're not angry, they're just serious. They don't, they don't have a sense of humor. Nobody wants to be around someone like that a hundred percent of the time, right? You got to lighten up a bit. So absolutely, it's a great thing. Yeah. I love it, man. Keep it going. So we had a little conversation. Neither one of us are experts. We kind of touched on that before we started hitting recording or record right. here. But uh, we were DMing back and forth, man, and started talking about uh, talking about bears. So you had a you had a couple bears approach you here this season, huh? I, I did. I did. Uh, I so I was. Uh, it kills me too. So I have one of those stomachs when it's, when it's time to go, it's time to go like, like now, now. And, uh, I got into this patch of dark timber and I'm probably two miles into my, my spot. And I start a little bit of a calling sequence and I can hear them cracking trees in there and, and popping off. Uh, and I can hear them getting closer to me. And my stomach was like, we're going. And, and my brain's like, no, 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 we can't go now. And my stomach's like, well, I'm going with or without you. <laughs> so, so now I'm like, golly. So I got to, I got to shut down the sequence and I back off a little bit and I, you know, not to get too graphic, but you get it. I, I had to go. So I'm in a very vulnerable position, position with my, my pants at the ground, my bow is next to me. And I hear what I thought was elk behind me popping and cracking through the timber. And I turn around and there's a sow and, and two cubs. And one of the cubs couldn't be more than maybe 25 yards from me. And he's walking straight at me and he hadn't seen me. Um, and, and in all honesty, I mean, we talk about like grizzlies. We talk, like, like you said before, I, I, grizzlies are a totally different game. But the, the black bears where I am have, have really seemed to be just, I mean, way more, every time I see one, it's running from us. They are far more scared of us than I am of them. Um, and I know that. So I turn around, my, I turn my head around, and I saw this, this little cub coming in. And I made a very conscious effort to twist my body in a squatting position, obviously. And so when I, when I twisted, he saw me twist and, and he perked his head up and ran back to mama. I was kind of, kind of freaked out, but, um, never have I felt like, especially where, where I am. And I know there's, there's sparse grizzlies here. I, I, I've the, I don't think the, the division has, has confirmed it yet officially, but I know they're here. Um, cause there have been sightings and, and things like that, but these, these black bears are like house cats. They don't, they don't scare me at all. Um, but man, I, I've, I got a couple of customers actually that called me one old timer this year called me. He was, I think he's 68 is what he said. I say old timer, 60, maybe he's 72, 72. 
He's got a son that he hunts with normally. He's up in Montana and he was about two miles south of where there was a mauling this year. Um, and so he's out there solo, which I, I, that's the thing I love. Like dudes that are 72 years old that are out there solo, that is mental grit. These guys are just like, those are hard men that I and my boys can look up to. Right. Um, but he's out there and sure enough, he says 200 yards away, uh, there's a, a grizzly berry and a deer. Um, and so it, it, it's, I mean, literally scared him like really bad. Um, to the point where he had already bought a, a holster at one point for, he had a, um, a little 40 caliber. And when he, when he ran across this grizzly, he backed out and talked to a game warden and the game warden was like, you need something bigger. And, um, the game warden suggested a 10 millimeter and we could nerd out on caliber and stuff like that. Uh, but, but I'm a huge fan of 10 millimeter. And so sure enough, he calls me when he got back and, um, he had hunted the other, there were three other encounters that he had. Um, in that same vicinity, but the other three times he was with his son. And so anyway, he calls me and he goes, Gabe, I need, I need you to make me two more holsters for a couple of of 10 millimeters. Um, and here's why. And so, yeah, he went into the story and I just, I, I don't, I don't, I can't even imagine like the level of, of like sissy Lala, I would feel (laughs) staring, staring a grizzly in the face. They're just crazy. I don't, I don't know what to compare it to from down here. You know, in Colorado, I'm the same man. I there's well, I've been chased by black bear. I it's kind of not the same situation, but I came across a, a sow with two cubs, yeah. and uh, I stayed, you know, kept my distance. I was filming them, and she was tolerating me, and I I kept some decent distance for about 35 minutes, and they're on one wow. side of a a creek, and I'm on the other, so I'm just kind of walking, you know, and I'm staying probably 35, 40 yards behind them. And the creek, it, it has a hard bend in it. As it bends, the willows and everything, you know, just got really thick. So I came out around the willows. And as I came up, I'm thinking, you know, I made it an assumption that she was going to stay on her side. I was on my side. Well, no, they decided right at the bend across to my side. And her and I were 15, maybe 20 feet apart. And, oh, that's not good. Oh, no, man. <laughs> I was behind three trees, and I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, God. She what, turned around. Did, you, did she see you? Oh, she saw me. She knew I was there as soon as she crossed, and I was like, oh, and I just kind of stepped behind those three trees, thinking that she was going to keep walking. Well, she turned, did a 180, checked to see where her cubs were at. She turned back around. When she turned back around, she faced me. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to slowly try and back up. And soon as she saw my full body, she was, she just came. I mean, she just boom and split second. I kid you not, man. I'll send you the video. I watched the Cubs go up the tree 30 feet in zero point, no seconds. And probably not the best move, but she didn't catch me. I just turned around and bolted. (laughs) I was gone, dude. I was running. Oh, I was, that was foolish, but that was, that was just my reaction. I, I mean, I, I can't say I would have done anything different. I mean, I know you hear guys that are like, they say, stand your ground. They're only going to bluff charge. I, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah, I'm not going to find out. <laughs> on standing my ground. Yeah. So, so was it, I'm, I'm assuming it's archery season? It was no season. Me and the wife oh. were, we were doing a, doing a drive. We had went through Yosemite. We were up in, in Bridgeport, uh, California. We were just driving around Jeep camping, you know, just checking out the sites for a week. And so no bow, no rifle, nothing. no pistol. No pistol. Oh. Pistol was in the, in the truck. The wife was back at, at the camp we set up and, uh, it was all back with her. 
and I just bolted, yeah. man. I'll, I'll, must, I'll send you that video. It was. Yeah, I for sure. One of the, the thing that gets me is like, is you, you literally, you, you said, I'll show you the video. I'm like, wait a minute. You, you're, you're freaking nuts. You actually like, you had the wherewithal staring a, a sow in the face with two cubs at 15 feet to continue to video. Yeah. I, I think I would have fed my phone to her. I don't know. It's just nuts. It's, well, it goes from, awesome, it goes man. from sow to sow charging to ground <laughs> sky tree, ground sky tree, Love ground it. sky tree. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's cool, man. It was nuts. But those grizz, man, you know, uh, good old buddy here, Luke Elifritz up in Wyoming. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know Luke, wild elk fever. This guy is a, he's a killer. I mean, he's, a monster slayer from elk to, to mule deer to whitetail. I mean, this guy is just, he's Lucas phenomenal, man. And, awesome. you know, talking to him, trying to get back up to Wyoming this year, um, you know, with, with any luck on that draw. And he's like, Oh yeah, we'll hunt this, but you got, you know, it is Grizz country. And I'm like, Oh man. He's like, Oh, just don't worry about them. Though. You know, they're there. You'll be all right. They're not worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, but I, I don't get it. Like I, I see, the story like like Todd Orr, right? The guy who got it twice from the same bear. A uh, couple of guys this year. There's a guide up in Wyoming that that ended up taking taking one for his his uh, mm-hmm. client. That was the, that um, was the year that I was in Wyoming. That was not. That was last that's year. Insane. Yeah. And he had a he had a gun. Um, I, I read an article on it that talked about how he didn't the the the, the client didn't have a gun the guide had put his gun down while they were quartering and skinning and all that stuff. And, and from what I, if I remember it right, he didn't have one chambered and the guide or the, the client didn't, didn't know, know how. how. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it ended up, I, I think in, in part, right. Not, not total, but in part, uh, cost him his life. Um, and so I think about stuff like that and I'm like, I, when you get these dudes that hunt grizzly country, like it, like it's the norm and they go, I oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, I just, you can, if you do a bear attack in Instagram, you have guys with their faces ripped off. I'm not going to, I can't not worry about it. Um, and so I, I want to walk out of the woods with like a pistol and a, I look like some, like a bandolier of ammo, <laughs> like, like just crazy stuff. But I, I don't know, man, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm a Sally, even in the, if I'm honest, I think I'd rather face, a black bear than a mountain lion where I am. I, they're just so fast. I think I, I would be more scared of mountain lions than a black bear just because of my experience. The black bears has been pretty mild. Um, but there is not a chance I'm walking into grizzly country without, without my 10 millimeter. Heck no. Heck no. Going to, yeah, that, uh, it's a must bear spray. Yeah. And that's the thing like, you know, that was my, my reaction too was like, Oh man, I'm, you know, sidearm, sidearm, sidearm. So I forget. Oh, I was talking to uh, the guys over at bendable products. And they had given me some stats and they're like, look, they, the amount of contact, the percentage of contact on encounters was something like 2% with folks that use bear spray versus mm-hmm. something like 76% with just a sidearm. So, so dudes that are shooting actively are getting like actual making contact versus the the 2% of guys that are hitting them with bear spray. With bear spray. Yes, sir. Really? Yeah. I would not see. And I would, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to write this stuff. I have to send you down. Cause there's a really good article on it. I'll have to read it. I still think I'd draw that. I feel like I look at Todd Orr and his face and I'm like, 
And he did. He drew the bear. And I know that he's in that 2%, right? He, but I'm like, I'm thinking that's got to be like, like the grizzly putting buffalo sauce on hot wings before it eats, right? That, that bear spray dust. I don't know, man. I, that's, that's, I mean, that's good to know. That's the thing that scares me with the grizz, though, is think about that's the same bear. That bear, he, he was gone. He got up and, and this bear came back to him. It's not like they crossed paths again. That bear came back to get him. Right. That, that, you know what I mean? That level of will. Nah, man. For that animal, I'm not, I don't want to mess with. Nope. I do not no, want to mess with. Yeah. The way he described it was just crazy. Like he can hear his bones crushing and, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, to your point, the fact that he got hit twice by the same one, that thing wasn't, he was like, oh, you didn't get enough? I, I got more. <laughs> Here's I, some more for you. It's I, nuts. Right. You're not moving fast enough, dude. That's just nuts. And so you talk about the 2%. He he is probably the entirety of the 2% right. because he got mauled twice. Yeah. Right? So it, it's crazy. That's crazy. That's just next yeah. level intent as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So we're walking around the woods, you know, this year in Colorado. And uh, the area that we were in was is pretty heavy bear populated, and mm-hmm. uh, I had both. <laughs> I had I had my sidearm, and I had the bear spray, man. Me and my boy. It, funny situation. So we had sat down, to eat lunch, and take a nap. I had just woke up, and uh, my boy's laying there, and I hear well, the other guy that was with us, Tony. I hear him say, "Bear." And I, and I'm kind of, you know, half dazed and I'm like, huh? And he goes, yeah. cub. And as soon as he said cub, man, I turned and I looked and to my left, about 15 feet, there's a sow and a cub and oh. she's putting her foot on a log. She would have taken three more steps. She would have been standing on top of my son. So as I'm going, I'm going to pull out my bear spray and I don't want to blow it. We we're, you know, we were in elk and sure. uh, I looked, I go bear. And as soon as she heard me, they just turned around and bolted. Well, then I looked down and my son had already drawn his sidearm. And I'm like, awesome. (laughs) I love it. He already had he already had the draw on him. And he was literally just sat up when he heard bear sat up, pulled it out when he saw it. And I'm going for that. And I'm like, dude, you got to go for the bear spray first. And he goes, no, dad. He goes, you got the bear. You went for the bear spray. (laughs) I went for the Thule. He said, I wasn't messing around. If that thing didn't run, I was shooting it. (laughs) Yep. I got to say articles and stats or not, I'm kind of with your son. I'm in that, in that camp. I, I don't know. So I, I told, I said earlier that I'd never been scared of a bear. And you just reminded me there was one time I walked in on one sleeping and I didn't see him until I was, on top of him, I I may I may have tinkled a little bit. It was <laughs> it was freaking scary, and I, he he stayed asleep. Thank God, and I was able to back out. But man, that was um, I don't know, man. I I, I I don't know. I get a lot more comfort out of like thinking that I've got sixteen rounds of super hot, one hundred eighty grain, ten millimeter, ready to punch through lungs than I do out of what I would imagine is like hot sauce right you know cayenne pepper and i'm i'm sure that i'm wrong i'm i'm you know the stats you're saying i'm confident they're right and i'm confident i probably have a better chance of surviving by hitting them with the hot sauce first but i don't know what it is about, about a giant chunk of of lead running through lungs that make me feel a lot more comfortable I, I, the only the one thing that i questioned about the article is how do they know where are they getting that stat from 
No, that's true. Right. That's, Where that's are they getting that stat? Because what about the question. unreported yep. attacks, the, the attacks yep. that we're not hearing about? So that was that was the only thing that had me curious. But it was valid enough for me to go and buy a couple canisters of bear spray. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So did you, when you were in Colorado, did you see a whole bunch of bear sign? I mean, I know oh you said God. you saw the bear. We saw. Was there more bear sign than you've ever seen? We saw more bear than I've ever seen in one hunting trip. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. It wasn't a we, ton of sign. Same thing for me in my spot. So we didn't see a whole lot of bears aside from the ones that came in while I was handling business, but I saw so much. And I mean like fresh, squishy, like you can see seeds in the poop fresh. Um, I saw a ton of it this year. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't realize that area we were hunting. Uh, I could have ran to town and got a bear tag. Um, Cause we saw one. And when we, when we first saw him, we were glass in a basin and I thought it was a calf. Oh, cause we had cow just, uh, there was cattle running all over the place. That's how big he was. And when I, when I realized that that is not a cow, that is a freaking bear. <laughs> I, my mouth was just like, oh my goodness. That thing was yeah. huge, man. Huge. But uh, I want to say we saw one, two, three. I want to say we saw saw in the neighborhood of six to six to eight on the trip. That's a lot. Yeah. That's way more than I've ever seen. Yeah. That's a lot. We only cool. see one to three a year. I mean, on a, in a good year five, but yeah, that's, that's a ton. Yeah. And now that I have a bear tag here, I haven't seen a one. (laughs) So, um, kind of all over about the woods and animals, man. Why don't, uh, why don't you give us a bit about, uh, ivory holsters, man? You got some good looking, good looking rigs and give us the the background on that. And I appreciate it, man. So I, I kind of, it started out kind of as, as a, I don't even want to say a hobby. I got, I was, I started concealed carrying, uh, a long time ago now. Uh, and when I, I bought the pistol and then I, I switched up from a Glock to a Springfield and I know I'm going to catch hell for that. I, I don't have it anymore. There, there are the guys that are in the Glock camp and then there are guys that are in Springfield camp and I'm not trying to ruffle feathers, but, um, so I switched guns and didn't want to buy another holster. Uh, and so I, there was a company that was doing a thing where you could, you could buy, uh, you could buy the whole holster or you could buy the, the, um, like the components and then put it together yourself. Or you could buy what they would give you as like a sheet of Kydex and a piece of leather. And you watch an instructional video and you put it in your oven and heat it up and all that stuff. And so, uh, I kind of watched that and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I, I was like, I could do that. So I ended up reforming the the kydex that i had for the holster for the glock to kind of fit the xd and i was like well that wasn't too hard and when i say that i mean it was super primitive like i got a i got like a heat gun and a yoga mat and a really a buddy that's like 260 pounds and i was like all right sit on this and we, <laughs> we ended up we kind of made our own our own little press out of a, a you know a dude and a, a yoga mat and, and it worked um and it was kind of fun and so i kind of went from there and got a little more into it. And my first stuff I was using, uh, uh, and I would say that most guys start out using a toaster oven. So I started, I'm using a toaster oven and a, a book press that I ended up building myself, um, and putting out, you know, a, a little bit of stuff then. And mostly it was just building it for buddies. Um, but now I've kind of grown to the point where it's much more, uh, refined. I'm using, I got vacuum presses and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, it's just kind of grown from there. And right. So, so right now, um, the, the big thing is the, the EMG rig right now. So it's the holster, like you, you and I have been talking about, I can't wait to get one out to you, man. 
to where you, you mount it to the hip belts on your pack. Um, and there's some like really, uh, very intentional details about it that make it really like super comfortable, like far more comfortable than you would think. And you would think that when you're carrying, you know, whatever that most of the packs, especially on the higher end ones, they've got some really good padding, right? It's really thick. You wouldn't think that there would be any discomfort with it. Um, but there, there can be with some holsters, right? Some of them are floppy and flop out, or some of them push too hard and then create a pressure point on the hip, especially if you're, if you're packing out heavy loads and stuff like that. And so, um, I just got, I got really, really blessed. And I was able to, uh, I emailed, um, Mark from Exo Mountain Gear and said, look, I, I don't, I don't have one of your packs right now, but I'm, you know, I've built one. All my buddies carried different packs, at least at the time they did. So I had a couple with some Badlands, a couple with some, I, I had a Gerber pack that I was carrying for a while and, and just different packs, you know? And so I'd make holsters every year for them so that, you know, we were trying out different stuff. And so I emailed Mark and was like, look, I don't have one of your packs. And he was so gracious. I said, I just want feedback. Um, I'm not asking for anything. Uh, and he said, yeah, send me a couple. And so the guy was just awesome. So we went through two or three versions with EXO and uh, came up with what is the current EMG product. And, and it's just kind of gone from there. It's been going really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to get one out to you. Heck it, yeah, it, I can't wait, man. I want you to beat it up and then, and yeah, give me some feedback. So what, uh, is there a specific, you know, guns that you're making it for? Or is it kind of what folks are requesting? How does that all work? Yeah. So, so right now the, the, the biggest one is the Glock 20, but I've got about 30 models that I can make them for. Uh, and I'm tacking on more models. I, there's a, some guys up North, like when you get towards Alaska, um, like Montana that, that carried, you know, giant wheel guns, um, 44 mags and Smith and Wesson 500s. And I get requests for those every now and again. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I guess my thing with those is that they're so heavy. So I, I got a couple of opinions on it. And I don't, I'm not trashing anybody. Everybody's got their own thing, right? I know. So some of the stats that I've read talk about like, pull, I'm going to nerd out for a second. So stop me if I'm, if I'm rambling, but um, some of the stats I've read talk about like police officers and high stress shootouts. Right. And so they talk about this, 20% hit ratio on average, right? So that if, the, if these police who are trained and practice are hitting at a 20% hit ratio, if that's true, they're, they're running 10 rounds out of the gun and only hitting, you know, twice. I know that it's very conceivable for me who, who doesn't go out and practice as much as they do and doesn't go out, and, if I'm honest, go out and practice as much as I should. Uh, if I'm in the woods and I've got a six shooter of 44 mag, it's entirely conceivable that my heart rate goes crazy and I miss all six times. Right. So, um, I'm a big fan of like the semi-auto, like I said, 10 millimeter. Um, so, so right now there's about 30 models. It's really one, um, revolver, but I'm looking to get more into the revolvers cause I've had such a, a high demand on those. But yeah, so about 30 models. Um, most of the, the top models I, I carry, I'm not, uh, not gonna, I'm trying not to pick up models that are, you know, ones and twos, um, just cause it doesn't make sense logically and, you know, financially for the business. But yeah. Um, yeah, 30 models and they're all like individually molded. So some, sometimes you'll get a holster that they say is universal. And this is definitely not that these are all custom formed. Um, a lot of them are using CNC machined, um, like resin molds that are, are built to be, uh, very exact in their tolerances. And so, um, it's definitely more of a custom rig than it is, uh, you know, any kind of universal thing. So one of the questions that, that 
when if you look at you know you can go through my Instagram, but if you look at it, one of the things that concerns me is that is that point when we take off our pack. And you hear the stories, right? Um, I want to say with yeah. the meat eater guys, they were talking a couple years ago, and everybody's sitting down having lunch. You know, packs are off. Bear comes blazing through. Um, you know, knocks one of the guys down, and everybody's like, you know, sidearms are on the packs, they're not on the person. So right. for me, when the pack came off, I would take you know take the holster and I you know slide it through the you know onto the top of the pant. Um, do you have that capability or is that, you know, secured on there where it's buckled or, or strapped to it somehow? No. So these, it's, uh, the, the clip I use, I mean, it has three different clips, right? There's a, a three inch clip or a two inch clip. And then a one and a half based on whatever, whatever webbing your belt uses. Um, the it's, it's one of the draws has been exactly that, right? The guys that want to take it off their pack when they're quartering your animal, put it on their, on their belt. Um, I, I kind of, for myself, I don't really wear a belt. It just seems to to dig too much, so I don't wear a belt. Uh, but I'm not hunting grizzly country either. I, and there are some companies out there making really nice, um, like super thin and stretchable belts that work perfectly for the, this style of clip. So it's a very thin clip. Um, it's got a locking mechanism on it, and it's built exactly for that, right? So you, it, it's built for the webbing on the pack. Um, the one that's the two inch for the, so XO came out with a new, uh, K3 frame this year and it's got a two inch belt webbing. And so the two inch clips that I'm, I'm able to use that they work really well, but the, the, for lack of a better term, the belt gap in there is really thin. So if you were trying to hang it on like a riggers belt, you know, some real thick, like everyday carry belt, that's probably not going to be the best. Um, you could, you could probably hang it, but you wouldn't be able to clip it together, um, Whereas if you get some, I think, I think, uh, marsupial gear, I think makes, makes one that, uh, their belt is built for the hunter. It's like stretchable and, uh, it's supposed to be real nice. I've been meaning to pick one up, but I think it's belts like that. And I thought Sitka made one too. Um, but yeah, those, those are ideal. And, and these clips would work on that. Um, and that was one of those things that like, I'm not saying a whole bunch of guys have said it, but there have been some, some comments where exactly what you're saying especially in grizzly country guys want to be able to to take it off and have it on them especially if you're over a giant bloody carcass right Um, that you're you're ringing the dinner bell so now it's a um not to go on too long about it but all three of the sets of clips that i use um are built to for the webbing um the two inch is probably not i guess if there's one that's less ideal it would be the two inch one but but outside of that, yeah, you can clip them onto your belt and, and they work real well. Yeah, that I mean, like I said, for me, that's a, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be over that carcass, even if it's not Grizz country, you know, I mean, I hunt, you know, where I hunt is full of lions. Um, but even the black bear, man, coming across, you know, again, the sow with cubs, I don't want to be in that situation to where I need that sidearm and it's on the pack. And one of the things right. with the the holster that I'm running is I was constantly, man, constantly, because it the, the clip doesn't secure, um, it has a paddle. Right. So that paddle is, you know, basically has two little tangs for the lack of a better word that kind of keep it from coming up yep i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> right so i'd open that up pull it off the pack slide it onto the top of the pants because i don't like wearing the belt either um underneath my hip pad and right. i was constantly just is it there is it there that's the you Prepping know what yeah and it wasn't like it was sliding up but it was just the constant concern of it being 
somewhere two miles back dropped in the woods. Now I'm going to try and backtrack to find my sidearm that I don't want laying yeah. in the woods for someone to find. And it drove yep. me crazy. And that's actually one of the reasons I started looking. And that's how, you know, that's how I found you. And uh, it was just like, this is ridiculous. It is, it no, is I, nuts. Yeah. And you're not alone. I mean, so, so I'll say that the second, the second portion of that is even if you have a holster that fastens securely to the belt, right? There's still that, that retention of the gun in the holster. That's a big deal too, right? So one of the things that, that we've done is put, or I've done is put a, a retention screw. It's forward of the trigger guard and just under the dust cover. Um, and you can, you can really cinch it. I've got it kind of a, um, bottom line, you can really cinch it down to the point where you almost can't get it out. And so my, my normal spiel to guys is if you're in that high stress situation and you have to end up drawing it, you, you're probably going to be doing that with a bit of force, right? You're going to be snapping it out of there. So, so you, you want to try and, or I, when I'm, you know, running my, I, I've got a Glock 20, um, I cinch it up pretty tight. I've, I've literally ended up, I'm, I'm hiking through the, this like freaking, and I'll, I'll never go back up there if I can help it. Uh, this like sheer face of a mountain hiking through scrub oak. Um, and I, I, no joke, I literally ended up tripping and I'm upside down hanging in the scrub oak from my boot upside down, uh, just, just crazy. Um, and so, you know, after that, I, I, I may, I cinch mine down probably a little tighter than, than I, I should, but I also know that the thing cost me 600 bucks and I don't want to dump it in the woods somewhere where I won't be able to go get it again. Or you get some jack leg that finds it and yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And that, and that is the, that is the worst man to be worrying about gear coming off your person. And that was one of the things, another one of the things is you actually have a post that shows that retention, right? You're like, you know, listen, and it's just click. It, it, you can hear it secure into that holster. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is, this is perfect. It's the best of both worlds. It's secure. I don't have to worry about the holster sliding off and my sidearm is secure inside the holster. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, pretty stoked about it. It's, it's those little things. And I could, I could nerd out about the, there's a 90, 10 split in the way I form them. Um, so that the flattest part of the holster sits against your, your pad. A lot of guys are doing like a, um, like for, for your everyday, like I would say duty holsters, right? They're doing a 50, 50 split. So 50% of the definition of the gun is on one side, 50 is on the other. And then they bend the wings after. Um, and that, that there's some folks that complain about, the, the pressure on the hip, especially if you're not, you know, not wearing it on a, a bag or a hip belt. Um, so I've, it, it takes, uh, if I'm honest, it takes a significant amount more time to do it the way I'm doing it. Um, but I've, I've got a lot of, of benefit out of it and a lot more value out of it, I would say, than, than if I were to go the 50-50 split um, in, the, in the way of comfort. Um, and then just kind of the way it, it hugs tight to the body or tight to the hip belt. The thing is, amazing. It's those little things, right? Like the, the 80, 20 or 90, 10, whatever you want to call it split. Um, and then we, we kind of ran the, 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 uh, sweat guard up the back and the front, which looks odd because no other holster is like that for you. would never want that for your duty carry, right? You got to be much more intentional about, about your draw because, um, you got to pull it up higher to get it out just slightly than you would if you had had it like kind of an open, like I do with my, my standard duty carry. But but I have beat the crap out of uh, guns in the woods walking through scrub oak and, and this scrub brush um, because I didn't 
and I, I say beat the crap out of them. It's a polymer gun, but it's that, that metal slide that gets totally scratched up um, because I didn't run a, a sweat guard up. So we ran, ran the sweat guard up both sides, a 90-10 split. Um, the fact that you can you can wrench it down or loosen it up. I mean, if you wanted to go training, right? You want to train for the day, you put it on and and loosen it up to where you, you know, you're not having to rip it on out of there. Um, it's just, it's cool. We've tried to, it's not, I won't say that it's an all purpose because it's definitely not. It's very, actually, it's very specifically designed, but, but it works really well for, for what it was designed for. I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it. If you can't tell. And well, that is the, in my head, that is the, the nice part about it, right? Because if you, if you start looking at, you know, holsters for your sidearm, they're not, the functionality of them is not specific to hunting in most cases, and and the way yours is, you know, with the dust cover and everything, to me that's huge. Like I have a, a Kimber Custom TLE two, and I I absolutely that is absolutely my my favorite handgun that I own, and right. I won't but take it. No, yeah. oh, no, I won't. I can buy two Glocks for the price of that thing, right. Uh, <laughs> right. but I won't take yeah. it in the woods because there's there there's been nothing to offer that protection. But I sh- that's the gun I shoot the best. Um, yeah, the trigger is just it's it's a Kimberman. <laughs> um, yeah, you're spoiled. You're yeah, it, spoiled it's amazing. But I carry yeah. my Glocks because they can take the abuse. It's a lot less money. But I I would feel especially when it's time to go and hit that you know Grizz Country in Wyo, I'm gonna feel a lot better having that custom too, versus you know a Glock and forty cal. Yep. No, I I, I get it. Um, but it's the same way with, with rifles. Right. So like I, when, I mean, as a, I'm all function, like I don't even, I don't even want a dog that doesn't have a function, right. I want a bird dog. I want a dog that's going to do something. So when I talk about function, like I would, I bought a, I got a, a savage model 110. That's my hunting rifle. It's a, a synthetic stock. Nothing. I literally have like athletic tape around the stock to build up the cheek, the cheek well or cheek comb. Um, so I can get my, my eye in line with the scope. I mean, it is full function and no flash at all. Um, whereas if I was carrying, you know, some Browning A-bolt with a mahogany stock and custom engraving and all that stuff, I'd be pissed if, to your point, with your timber, right? If I walked out and, and ended up scratching it. So, um, no, I get it, man. I, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, the... Gotta, when, when, when we're going to go and beat up our gear, and we should, right? We should be able to beat it up. Um, it's... Uh, you got to to go with the function over over some of that you know stuff that goes on the mantle and then i'm for whatever reason the thoughts coming to me that i don't want to say the name but the the holster that i'm running for the uh for the glocks it has the little retention uh button where you actually have to push the button to draw yeah i think it's a serpa right yeah and uh exactly and it it's not the greatest <laughs> in haste. I don't want no. that holding that in there, that, that split yeah. second or that one second or whatever that is that you go, Oh shoot, I got to push that button. That could mean that bear stepping on my boy or being able right. to, you know, at least shoot in front of it. Hopefully that scares it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, right. And I don't, and, and that part of going back to where you can adjust that tension for that. I mean, that's huge when I'm looking at features, you know, that, that are going to work for my application in the woods, man. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. I've, I've heard and not in any way to, to bash any kind of other holster. I know there are a couple of companies that make holsters like that, where you've got that push button retention. Um, 
And you know, I've seen a couple that actually, they, they make that push button not directly in line with the trigger, um, which I kind of like. I mean, I, I see more value in that. I shouldn't say I like it, but I see more value in that. But there are some companies that make them where that push button is directly in line with where your trigger finger is. And if you're, like you said, if I'm drawing it hastily and I've got pressure going down already in my, it's conceivable is all I'm saying that my finger slips from the button because I'm already, you know, using that muscle straight into the trigger guard and I let one go into my foot or into my leg. Um, yeah, I didn't even consider that. I didn't even, yeah. I mean, as far as safety goes, that, that is, that would be a consideration and I'm talking about it from the functionality of something I use that has it. I could totally see it in haste. Yeah. And, And don't get me wrong. There are a ton of guys, like I got a good buddy that he, like I would make him a holster for free and he won't carry it. He loves that surplus. He's just, that's what he trained with and he loves it. So yeah, there are a lot of guys that have trained with it and are really good with it. Um, but, but yeah, I just know that I, I don't train as much as I should. And so I'll stick to what, what I've got. Yeah. Cause how much time, you know, how much time do we spend preparing ourselves for those scenarios? And I can, I can count on less than, you know, one hand, how many times I was like, okay, we're going to be in, you know, in bear country for all intents and purposes, black bear, brown bear, doesn't matter in my head. Um, how many times I was like, you know, how, how quick am I on the draw? Yeah. I mean, so you think about it, like in turn, how, how often do you shoot your bow? You shot the hell out of your bow. Oh, I shoot right? every day. Yeah. And so I know I'm not putting anywhere near as much time, even if I was just doing some like dry, dry drawing and firing practice in the garage, I'm not doing that anywhere near as much as I should, um, or anywhere near as much as I, you know, I'm shooting my bow. So yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Every, I mean, yeah, it goes to the bow and it's crazy, right? We are talking, going, enjoying, you know, an archery season versus life or limb and we're not putting I'm calling myself right. out, right? Because I'm thinking about this. I'm not putting yep. the same amount of energy for life and limb as I am into, you know, filling that tag. That's a little yeah. bit. Uh, that's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I had a one of one of my customers. Uh, actually, he posted it on on Instagram, and that's kind of how I, I saw it. He posted a, like a little teaser story, um, and I I contacted him, and he oddly enough had actually i'm not saying he put a bunch of practice in but he had practiced drawing from his his uh emg rig on his pack uh, a couple of times before he went out and sure enough they they put an elk down he's the way he tells the story he literally had 100 pounds of meat on his back and this um i'm I'm, and i'm not even sure it was a black bear or grizzly but but it stood up uh it's 30 yards away and he looks like a, a stinking chicken wing to this thing right because he's got 100 pounds of meat on his back he's obviously exuding like all the weakness in the world because he (laughs) can't move fast yeah he's done right and so this thing stands up on its hind legs i think he said it was on a on a deer or something stands up on his hind legs and no kidding started running at him and he was able to draw his his pistol um and now it's like i've heard of guys you know like popping off a warning shot he's not in that mode at all he's like he's in oh crap mode i'm i'm i can't move I've got to stand my ground and just, and so he's literally trying to kill this thing shooting with his pistol. And, and when it hurt, I think he's screaming at it and shooting at the same time. And his buddy was, had already crested the hill. Um, and thank God it, it stopped when it heard the shot stopped and, and turned around and boogered out. Um, and his buddy comes obviously come back over the top of the hill. Uh, and I don't, I, I kind of get a sense of pride out of that. Right. I, I got to help this guy be ready for it. Now, obviously I don't want that to, ever happen 
that sucks. But if I can be the guy, that's kind of my goal. If I can be the person that helps somebody to be at the ready and it's everything they needed at the time, right? I, I, I love, I kind of get a sense of accomplishment out of that. So, yeah. Yeah, heck yeah, man. I didn't even think about it along those lines. You just you just titled the podcast <laughs> at the ready, buddy. Oh, I like it. Good deal. So one of the cool things about about the holsters too is the is the ability to customize it, right? Because that was one of my questions. Man, can I get my logo on that thing? <laughs> yeah, uh, and that no, is absolutely. that is freaking awesome. I saw there's a few of them that you have. You have the XO, um, but the graphics are super cool on that. Yeah, I'm I'm so proud of those, man. I got um I did I did some for uh I'm I'm a a fangirl when it comes to the born and raised outdoors guys. Um so I I got a couple for them. Um and you keep keep an eye out. You'll see one of the ivory holsters with the born and raised. I'll send you a picture after the the born and raised logo on on their uh packs on Trent's pack anyway. Um and then so I did I got them and then some of the, the other crews, the top priority crew, those guys are just awesome as well. Um and then it's just the the and they're all different, right? I sent a couple to Corey Jacobson and then what was uh like some of it's camo, but they all have these logos on them. And I literally, I mean, it, it, I can get pretty much anything. If you wanted your wife's face on one, I can do it. I mean, it's only money, right? Um but the the one of the coolest ones, one of the guys I work out with at the gym says, oh, I need one. He's got a buddy that's a big King of the Hill fan. And so he, he needed one with, he wanted Rusty Shackelford on it. It's just like, like, uh, I guess I'm not King of the Hill so old now. I don't, I don't remember all of it, but the guy who's a conspiracy theorist, I think his name is Dale, his alter ego, Rusty Shackelford. So I literally called my guy up and the guy I get the prints from is in Alaska, actually just super cool. Uh, husband and wife team that put out um, super short turnarounds on anything custom that you want. Um, but yeah, he, I sent him a picture and, and they had it all mocked up and set and sent to me in a couple of weeks. And it was literally, it had Dale smoking a cigarette and it literally said, I am Rusty Shackelford on it. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's an element that you don't see in those things, but that customization or that personalization is huge, man. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it, and it stands out. You're exactly right. It's, it's, I mean, to your point, it's, it's personal, right? You can put anything you want on it for all the money and, and that we put into our gear and the time and the pride we take in all this stuff. That's just, that's right up the alley, man. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. It's cool. Yeah. And if I'm going to do like, if I'm going to do one holster, it's, it makes it tough for me to say yes to one dude that wants what, whatever. Right. Rusty chuckle. But right. Rusty chuckle. (laughs) It's tough. But if I got if I'm doing a run like I was for EXO and and the guys from Born and Raised or whatever, if I got a run of a few, it's it makes it a lot easier and more palatable to order that stuff. Not that not that I wouldn't do it, not at all. But uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's 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 only money, right? Yeah, I mean, man, I I'm a gear junkie, and uh, yeah, it's only money. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm pumped to get something out to you. Like, like I want to go to work on it right now. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So if, if we could talk about it, what, uh, what are we looking at at the price points? Um, you know, if you talk about like a, you know, like a Glock 27 to, you know, that full size Kimber at 1911 yeah, so, size. So it's all, the model is, it doesn't, doesn't matter if I've got the mold in, in stock. Now if I'm custom, I mean, there are some guys that like, 
They've got a light laser combo with a red dot sight on it and an espresso maker hanging off the side and all kinds of other crap on it, right? Stuff like that is a custom mock-up and that gets real expensive. Um, well over a hundred bucks for stuff like that. But the, the stock ones that, that I've got in stock are all, all, it doesn't matter which model, it's, it's the same price. So they're the, the EMG rig, which is one that's built for the packs, uh, starts at 80. And if it's a custom run, like, um, like what we talked about with the EXO run, I've done two different runs of those. Um, those are 95. Um, and they come with a set of clips that are built for everyday carry as well. The, the custom runs do. But yeah, the standard one for the EMG, if you got, you know, no frills, you wanted it at whatever, Coyote Brown or Black or Ranger Green, uh, 80 bucks. And then I think it's six and a half bucks shipping or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we, anything else on Ivory? How long have you been at it? That's a, that's a, I guess another question that I had. Yeah. So we, I, I, I the, the, I've been messing with Kydex for a while now. It's gotta be, it's gotta be six, seven years, but I like forming of the business is right at the five year mark now. So yeah. And it's, and it seems to be doing well. Or like you know, I mean, yeah. social media, right? What do we really know from social media? <laughs> no, that's true. You only know what I show you, right? Yeah. No, it is good. It is good. I've been. I can't tell you how blessed I've been, and I couldn't. I can't plug those guys enough. The guys from XO, and, and they've just been so good to me. Um, and that really ramped up business big time. They're just super good dudes. And that's awesome, right? Is that is that community part of it, right? A guy, you know. Uh, and I don't mean anything, you know, no offense by it, but helping the little guy out, right? These guys are. No, absolutely. I'm not offended at all. I, I'm absolutely the little guy. I know, I know who I am. Right. And, and uh, yeah, it's, I'm, it's just so cool to see. And I don't know if there are other industries that are like that, but if I'm honest, some of the podcasts I listen to and some of the, the, the posts that I see of the guys that are the most genuine, right. Are always talking about, we do business with certain people because they're good people, right? And not necessarily because of the brand name or because it's, it's I mean, even made in the U.S., although that's a big consideration too, right? Um, it's just, we do, we do business with the guys that we love. And that is just so cool. There's a, I'm, I, I'm confident there are guys that I've, I know there are, there are guys that I've turned down just because I don't like them, right? Um, and, and I know their money is just as good as everybody else's, but, but man, I just, I don't want to, I don't know. There's just some, a really cool community wrapped around hunters. And I'm not saying we don't have our squabbles, right? Rifle guys are always going to poo poo on, on archery guys. And, and, and I, we, it's kind of, we give it back and forth. Right. But I think I, I like to think that as a whole, we're, we're a unit. Like, and the way I kind of liken it is like, even the person that I work with that I don't necessarily like, if they called me, and they needed me to help, you know, change a tire at two in the morning. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go, right? So that's that's kind of how I feel. I I I like to think that me being a compound shooter, if I had if I needed some help from a trad guy or a rifle guy, whatever, muzzle loader guy, as much as I like, I love giving muzzle loader guys help. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, especially but, in Colorado when they're shooting the same season as you. <laughs> oh my gosh, they kill me, and I don't know what it is, but they always seem to hit the peak of the rut. <laughs> they, they get so lucky. But yeah, it's just, it's just a really cool community um, to be a part of. And, and that's, 
another thing that I took away, right, from what I see on social media and then just a little conversation we had, and that was actually one of the bullets I sent you was building a company and a community. Um, and for me, the community part of it is huge, right? And, and you were talking about the divide in hunting, right? But, you know, whatever weapon, what bow brand, the one that drives me ape shit baddie is the camo thing, man. This discern that we have if you don't wear the same pattern and i don't know <laughs> i get on that yeah, rant. It's, it's no i'm with you it's amazing like what what uh i mean you hear about guys that are like my granddad walked out in a, a flannel shirt and killed elk or deer every year um he didn't have camo right and and then there are guys and i i'm i i, I don't know i don't know maybe it's as i get more into it um it's not so much about the camo pattern and, and it's definitely not about matching i don't give two craps if i've got kuyu on top and i wear a, i wear prana pants which i'm in love with by the way I, I don't know where they sit on hunting they might be the most anti-hunting company out there i'm not saying they are i just it but those pants are the most comfortable stinking things and they dry super fast and they're just a solid color i i will say the one i the the bull i shot with my bow a few years ago i was wearing a leafy suit and I'll, uh, we don't have to go into the story, but, but I missed him the first time. And when I missed it, that arrow must've hit a log and it sounded like the crack of a bat at a ball game. It was so loud. And he turned and, and looked right at me and I had this leafy suit on and there was a slight breeze blowing and he just looked right through me. So I will say that like, I haven't had that experience before with us, just a solid camo pattern, if that makes sense. Um, matter of fact, I've had the opposite. Uh, with that, but, but, uh, I don't, I, I don't like getting the Levy suit hung up on trees and branches and stuff. It drives me, drives me crazy. Um, yeah, your, your, your pet peeve is, that's funny to me. The, uh, the, the one that drives me nuts. And I guess it's not even in the hunting really community. It's kind of the antis, the, the whole like predator. I don't understand. And, and then we could go down a, a deep, dark rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. <laughs> but man, I don't, I don't get it. it if I post a picture of a dead elk, I don't get nearly the hate. And I, I haven't killed a wolf. I'm just saying, I know that the guys that are killing predators, wolves, bears, stuff like that. People want to hang their children from trees. It's crazy. I don't understand it. But, but elk or chicken or fish, no one gives two craps about, you know? Um, anyway, that's my, my separate like pet peeve. Actually, it's not. It, for me, it drives me nuts. I, so... The, our new governor here in California, um, as of January 1st, we cannot hunt bobcats until I think it's 2025. And then they're going to have the reevaluation, but reinstating it, they're saying it's going to cost something like 20 some odd million bucks. We'll never see it again. Once you lose it here, it's gone forever. Um, yeah. Why, why not? It's not, it's not his money. Yeah. And then the mountain lions, we haven't been able to hunt them, you know, since the nineties, um, and now they're trying to put lions on the endangered list, which is absolutely absurd in my opinion. And like I said, the area that I hunt, my my home range, if you will, it's loaded, dude. I mean, loaded with lions. Um, I, you I gotta just, be having encounters, right? I mean, you got We had we had one this year. A lady looked out her kitchen window. She's in uh, not Montrose. I forget the name of the the place she is she looks out her kitchen window and there's a mountain lion with its mouth around her i think it's a four-year-old what three-year-old 
around his head and he's trying to drag him off into the woods. It was nuts, like trying to steal her kid. Um, and it couldn't have been, couldn't have been a four-year-old. I think it was a two-year-old. So yeah. So she literally like, she's doing dishes, sees her kid getting drug off by a mountain lion, runs out and literally had to pry the mountain lion's mouth away from his head. It's crazy to me. You've got to be having encounters like that, right? I mean, there's, We've Why had them. We've had them. I, I, matter of fact, we was it last scouting season? I think we were scouting, and we ran. Me and Buddy ran into a gentleman, and uh, we were hiking up, and uh, we just started talking to him. And he was riding his mountain bike. He's probably in his mid sixties, just getting his exercise. And he was, you know, he was packing, and uh, yeah. asked him, you know, what what had you know warranted or what caused him to start carrying and he told us he goes man i was riding down and he said it was like a year ago so two years ago he's riding down the trail and he just said i just got this weird feeling and i turned around there's a cat chasing me and uh, yeah he said he jumped off his bike he put his bike in between him and the cat and they had a standoff that lasted about three minutes and he said after that that was it he said i went this is his first firearm 60 some odd years old And, and we, you know, we have them and we're getting more and more, um, roadkill cats. I think we've had, I want to say we've had four in the last two or three months. Um, and you're talking the 405 freeway and the Sepulveda pass, the 101 freeway. So you're talking these heavy populated areas that, you know, like Beverly Hills, things like that, where you got this, these hillsides, but there's homes. I mean, these are, you know, multi-million dollar homes. When they start seeing cats, I guarantee you there's going to be a difference. Yeah. That's what, that's the kind of the thing that's amazing to me is like, we're not, the laws that we're, and the same thing's happening here. Right. And, and up North to Montana, Idaho, they're dealing with it too. They're talking about reintroducing the wolves into Colorado. Um, but they're not basing like to me, it seems like, and I'm, I'm not an expert. I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even talk on it in all honesty, but with the amount of like encounters you're, you're talking to me about the fact that they want to put the lion on an endangered species list doesn't seem to add up. That seems like an emotional listing to me, as opposed to basing it on, on facts and data and stats of, of, and if I'm honest, the people in the field that actually could provide value. Right. I, I would, Agree with you a hundred percent, especially because I'm in the emotional state. Oh, you're in, you're in the mecca. Yeah. <laughs> we are in the yeah. mecca of you know. Yep. Protect everything that's furry and can eat your children. I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's, they're all know. furry and fuzzy and nice until they snatch up your dog. Exactly. And run away exactly. I mean, the, even yeah. you know the coyote problem that we have. I live. I live in an urban center. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, we have a coyote problem. I mean, people, there's signs everywhere through the neighborhood, you know, watch your dogs while you're walking them. Don't leave your dogs in your backyard. I've had coyotes, no kidding you. I've had coyotes on my garage roof at 2 a.m. I'm going, what? My dog is in the back and it's just going crazy. And I'm going, what's going on? So I look out the back and there's a cat on the corner of the roof and my dog's barking up at the cat and I'm like, well, why is the cat just sitting there? I thought something was wrong with it. So I opened mm-hmm. the door and as I opened the door, the coyote crest, the, the top of the roof. And I'm going, what in the hell's going on? I told my wife, there's a coyote on the roof. And what do I do? Right. I go get my bow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I would have done too. I went okay. to get my bow and, but that's yeah. the problem, right? So now we have this coyote on my roof. He's after a cat, albeit, but um, if that was my dog, now, if I did something to that coyote, 
even that I, I have, a, you know, I'm a licensed hunter, right? I have an upland game. Um, but then there's a problem if I shoot that coyote, he runs off, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just, it doesn't make any sense. There's people walking their dogs and their dogs are getting snatched off the leash, yep. you know, and yeah. the coyotes running down the road with, you know, somebody's dog. What happened? I've had coyotes in my kid's school. I remember chasing one out of the school when my boy was that is probably second or third. Yeah. And and they just don't take it seriously. So you call like animal control. Oh, there's nothing we can do. Okay. So what are right. you going to do when that one kid decides I need to go to the bathroom, you know, in the, in the middle of, you know, class goes to that bathroom and and there's two coyotes running in the school and there's a victim when do we take action that that protect us base the information or the the restrictions on like you said the the biological aspect of it and and how they are really doing it or not doing and stop you know making it emotionally based it's just crazy man yeah no i I, i'm just saying i I totally agree we got and I say we're, we're actually, I don't know about lucky. Um, but right now, as long as you have either a fur bearers license in Colorado or a small game license, coyote is in season year round and there's no bag limit. That's how many there are here. It's, it's, I mean, they're everywhere. It's crazy. Well, that's the same here, but shoot them in city limits, even with the bow and yeah. the wrath of everything they'll, is coming down on you. Yeah. They'll wrap you up. Yeah. Take you to the house. Yeah. yeah. It is, it's, it's nuts, but what do you do, right? How do you, how do you protect your family, your, you know, your pets or your family, as far as I'm concerned? Um, they say they're, you know, your pets are property in California, blah, blah. I don't know how it is in Colorado, but if you take that mm-hmm. action to protect that property, then, you know, you, you have a situation you have to deal with. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why you, you shoot a bow really well and really quiet. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know, man, the whole thing is. You can, you know, deep, dark rabbit hole, like you said, you can go on and on and on about it. It, It'll never make sense to those of us that have some bit of understanding of it. And don't talk about herd numbers when you start talking about the mule deer here, the blacktail here, or the elk numbers in the states that are reintroduction, you know, reintroducing wolves and protecting these animals. It just, the herds are already dwindling. Yep. Crazy, man. So, yeah. What uh, what do you have left as far as season goes? Are you still hunting or done deal no, this year? I'm, I'm tapped out. I'll probably uh, probably I got a, a guy that I'll probably go do maybe some duck and goose. I'd like to get the boys out there, um, but it, it gets. I mean, that's like I've had some goose hunts where I get into sissy la la mode, and my feet. I'm telling you, man, if my feet get cold, I I I start. I, I can't even tell you how much Sally comes out of me when my feet get cold. And I, I wouldn't want that for my, for my boys, but it would be kind of cool to get them out, sit in a blind and put down, um, you know, some, some geese. I had them with me a couple of years ago up during an archery hunt. And I was able to shoot a grouse out of a tree and they freaked out. It was so cool to see. Like they, they couldn't believe that I shot this grouse with my bow. Um, and it fell to the ground. And my, my oldest is just yelling. He's like, dad, you got him. And I was just so proud. Like, at that moment, I was that kid's hero. You know, when you, you know those moments where your your dad was your hero. You're like, he could, my dad could kick Superman's butt. It was one of those moments. And I was just like super jacked. So I want them with me as much as I can. But I don't know. I think I'll probably do some duck and goose. Um, in January, we may go out and do some um, pheasant as well. Pheasant opens. Actually, it's open now. Um, 
here. Um, but we haven't been out yet. Um, there's a bunch of walk-in access outside or out, out east. So we'll go hit some of that walk-in access and kind of hop from patch to patch. But, but it's nothing like South Dakota they, or, or even North Dakota. They're, they're kind of spoiled compared to what we've got out here. Although our pheasant, pheasant crop this year has been pretty good from what I hear. Yeah, that's pretty well it. I did, uh, I did an archery hunt. And, well, I went up twice for archery for elk and then did a, um, did a rifle hunt in the same unit. And I didn't draw my deer tag this year. Normally I do deer on the plains. I've got, I've got, I heard you talking to one of the guys on the podcast about how elk is your, is your, you know, your passion. And he was talking about how he feels the same way about, about mule deer, right? Like, like he talked about mule deer the way you and I talk about elk. Um, and I, if I'm honest, I don't, I've killed one muley buck and then one, one doe. And, and I just, I don't, I'm saying I don't get it. It's just not the same feeling. That's all I get it. It's just not the same feeling. So, um, but I, I say that knowing that when I hunt, it's out on the plains and I kind of cheat. So I've got a buddy that's a farmer out there. And he, when I shot the doe, I literally sat on the edge of the field while he combined the corn and she, she would run, <laughs> she'd run out every now and again. And I just kind of waited for her to pop out. And so she, she sure enough popped out, looked right at me. And, um, I had my gun sitting there and I was like, well, if she lets me raise the gun up, I'll kill her. And so sure enough, she just stood there looking at me while I raised it up. And I, I, so I say, I, I don't have that same passion, but I really haven't put anywhere near the amount of work into it that I do elk. Uh, but there's just something about, a slobbering, bugling bull just staring you in the face at nine yards. Um, it's just, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. What about you? What are you hunting? Uh, well, I have, uh, I have my late season archery, so I'm chasing basically Los Angeles mule deer. Um, just in, you know, I'm literally 30 minutes from downtown LA, <laughs> which people go, That's awesome. yeah, people are like, are there, there's deer and you know, there's deer in those mountains. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's cool because there's that extended season again. Um, tell me, tell me how long that goes again. When does that season? End? It starts. I want to say it started the beginning of October and runs through the uh, end of December. So December 31st, New Year's Eve is my last is my last chance. That's cool. Yeah. What's, what is the tag cost like it, as a resident? Uh, our first tag is 38, I think now. And then the second tag is 45 or 46. That's impressive. Yeah. So I get, you know, what is that? Six months for 80 bucks. Yeah. yeah, to me, you can't beat it. Right. I mean, like I said earlier, no. if if it gets down to it right now, you know, the, the temperatures have been such here that I'm not seeing any rut. Um, so I'm kind of holding out. Um, there's a couple small bucks running around a ton of dough. I think we saw 10 dough within three or four hours on uh, on Sunday when we went out. And uh, yeah, it's just a holdout now, man. It's just time in the woods, and I enjoy the heck out of just sitting there and glassing this this new country that we're in, and uh, just picking them off. You know, just oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. Just learning. That's so cool. That's cool that you get that much that much time too. Yeah. Well, um, it's not. Oh, it, I'm used it, to like five day yeah five day seasons that are just super fat. I mean, archery. I take it back. Archery is a month long for elk but our deer seasons are normally five to seven days, I think on the long end, 10. And there's a couple that, that span like the, some of the private land hunts from what I gather are, you know, 30 days with a rifle or whatever. But, um, for the most part, it's five to seven days 
you know, from first season all the way through what we would call fourth season. Um, yeah. I've been there, right? So, you know, build up points, build up points. I want this one and go, you know, you take time off work, you're, you know, a week, nine days or whatever away from the family and uh, it's over. It's done. It's a done, you're, you know, you're not making a 10 hour drive to NorCal to go hunt again. And it was right. just, you're miserable. You're, you, you know what I mean? You're just, uh, at least for me, I'm going, that's it. <laughs> I waited no, I, I, 11 months I, for nine days. Exactly. And especially if you didn't get, get something or even worse, if you didn't put in the, the sweat and the, and the blood that you should have, you, you pine over it for the next 355 days. I'm going to think, Dad, I, I should have worked harder. I should have eaten better. I should have worked out harder. I should, whatever the mistake was, right? I should have, I should have, whatever it was. I, I pine over that stuff like for months and oh, I yeah. beat myself up. And yeah, it's, but you're right. It's, it's not like it doesn't last all year long. So when we talk about you only get so many Septembers, that's it. I get five, seven days in the woods and it's done, done. And I, and then I'll think about it for the next 350 days. That's exactly why I go out. I, my, both my tags are over the counter. They, it sucks. It's hard hunting. You're not going to see most times you're not going to see the caliber of deer that you want to see, or you're hoping to see, but yeah. I get to go hunt from, you know, October actually, well, if I combine it from, you know, July all the way to the end of December, dude, you can't beat it. You cannot yeah. beat it. So I, I just, no. I love it. And it, you know, it may mean no. a doe, but time in the woods, man. So I didn't kill anything this year. I'm a, I'm a gatherer now. I'm like borderline <laughs> vegan. So I'm like, I would take a, I am not kidding you on my way. When, I, when I'm driving, there's some farms around the, the lake I live near. And I am actively looking for roadkill deer that weren't there yesterday, but are this morning so that I know they're fresh. <laughs> I am not messing around. I'm not above hanging roadkill in the garage and processing it. There's yeah. nothing, but there's nothing like <sighs> cliche. There's nothing like that protein. I don't care nope. Nope. what steak you go by, what, you know, ranch you get your steak from. I, there's nothing like having venison or having elk steak or even antelope, man. It's just, there's something about knowing that that's a wild animal that yep. just, you know, it settles in perfectly with me, man. It, it's just the best. Well, you, you, you tell me too. I mean, especially so, so roadkill aside, when I, the, the, I guess I'll, I'll say it as the sense of accomplishment that I get when I, when I put a giant plate of, of backstrap steaks on the, on the table, and I've invited whatever, four or five friends over and everyone is gathered around the table to break bread at my house. And I get to provide this, this, like, like I said, rocket fuel to them. I don't, you can call it, uh, what would you call it? Like, I don't know if it's conceited. I don't know if it's, you know, an overwhelming pride that I probably shouldn't, shouldn't have, but man, I get a sense of accomplishment out of being able to share to put that. that, that Heck yeah. yeah. It's just awesome. It's almost as fun as going out and doing it. You know, the so I, I was I got home yesterday. My mailman was walking from next door to my house to drop off the mail. And he goes, hey, man, you still hunt? And this guy's been our mailman for 16 or 17 years. And I'm like, yeah, right. every weekend. Yeah. And he right. goes, man, he goes that he, uh, he said, yeah, I had, you know, I had some venison. I umpteen years ago, man, that stuff is great. And I said, really? You like it? And he goes, yeah. And I go, 
you have a cooler or something with you? And he goes, why well, have my lunchbox? I said, well, when you come back around, come knock on the door. And I was getting it ready and he came back and, uh, man, I hooked him up tenderloin back straps some ground cool, some polish and he was looking and he's like oh man you know and it is it is one of the best feelings it's one thing to provide it for your family <clears throat> and i yep. think we may take that for granted a little bit but to see someone's face that does not get to go out and experience what we experience to see their face light up um just handing them some butcher wrap meat that man that yep. is just a great feeling man it is yeah, just a it, great it, feeling it is. And, and so, I mean, to go an even level deeper, that guy's kids or his wife are going to eat and be sustained with, with life because of what you just did. That's huge. I know I might be putting an extreme on it, but that's yeah, awesome. But it, is, it is a great feeling. Yeah. And, and to the opposite of that, like when, when I'm the guy on the receiving end of it, I am like, I'm super humbled that someone, because I know what went into it, right? I know how hard you work to pull that giant beast off the mountain that you would, you would put all that work in and then, and then hand it over to me. I, I am, I'm humbled by it. It's pretty cool. On the other end of it though, I, I will, I do have to say that when the stocks get low, I go, son of a bitch. Why did I hand out all that venison? (laughs) I gave away too much. I'm out of brats, man. God dang it. I gave two packets of brats away. (laughs) You get into July and the freezer, you got to start eating beef again. You're like, son of a bitch. It's all ground. (laughs) It's all ground and leftover breakfast sausage. And it's like, oh man, I should have gave so much away. But it it feels so good. I do it every year. And Every year I end up regretting the amount that I give away, but you know, right. it is what it is. It's a, it's that it's a sense of pride. I think that you have like, Hey, I, I went and did this, these, these two hands right here. Yep. Yeah. That's, I, I don't care. I mean, you, you give away a lot. I know, but that's God's work. That's, and, and if I'm honest, you're, you're kind of furthering the sport too. So even the people that aren't hunters get to see hunters in a really good light because of guys like you that, that, you know, you put food on the table and they're like, eh, not all hunters are bad, right? We're not all rednecks out there hacking the heads off of elk and leaving the carcasses. Yeah, driving Pap or driving a 67 Chevy with Paps all in the back. Right, <laughs> right. Freaking, right. You know, that that's yeah. a crazy light, man. It's like, I, I think there's that, I think there's that small handful of those folks. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, more power to them if that's their gig. But uh, the vast majority of us are beyond solid upstanding responsible ethical people that abs- yeah that absolutely kind, care about yeah. what we do you know and sure. the light that we're in and and that's what one of the things that i love about it is to see everyone want to shed the best light i say everyone but broad stroke um shed the best light possible on the life that we live when it comes to hunting i mean it's not a hobby it, it is actually it's a lifestyle you know, yes. it is. Uh, yep. I love it, man. Uh, again, yeah. back to the community. I think in some, a lot of respects, we're doing a great job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it, yeah, not that we don't turn on each other every now and again, but you're, you're exactly right. We, it's, it's not, I mean, we're dwindling. We're, we're all, we're dying off. They, now you couldn't tell it by my hunting area this year, but they say there's not as many hunters out there as there used to be. But I, I swear they were all stacked in my unit this year. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I believe the stats that we're dying, but if, if we're not being the example, if we're not bringing in uh, other people into the hunting and shooting sports, it's going to die. And then we end up like some of these other countries where 
where we don't, it's completely foreign to them that, that anyone would ever walk out of their house and, and kill an animal to eat. It's like, it baffles their, their, their mind. They can't wrap their heads around it. I don't want to be that, that way. Right. I want, and I definitely don't want my boys to be the last of that breed. I want to, we got to try and further it. And so I got to, you know, kind of along those lines, my, my hunting buddy, Luke, and I love the guy. I mean, I like love him. He's the dude that I would die for. Right. The same thing with me or same with him, but he, he has never invited anyone up to hunting camp and, and, and that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. Cause it's kind of, you know, I would say it's my hunt, right? I was the one that originally helped develop the spot and all that stuff, but I'm the jackass that's always catching hell for bringing the new guy. Um, <laughs> because that guy, you know, I've, I've been burned before. I've had that guy come up with a buddy of his and then that guy come up with a buddy and I'm like, shit, now I got, now I got five more guys in my unit and it is my fault, but I, I still maintain that if we're not the ones that are, are furthering the sport and not that you have to bring new guys into your hunting unit, but, um, if we're not doing it, we're, we're going to die off. My, my, my three sons can't sustain, you know, the rest of the, the hunting culture. Population yeah. Years ago. yeah, exactly. So how do you, how do you handle that? So, and I'll probably catch a little bit of flack, right? Cause we hunt public land, blah, 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 blah. But if I, if I see a guy that's struggling, or see a guy that hasn't, you know, had some success, meaning, you know, notching the tag. I'll say, hey, I got a spot. I have a spot that you can go into and explore. And there's deer there. I can't guarantee you're going to arrow a deer, but I guarantee you'll have opportunity. But here's the catch. If I show you this spot, you can't take anyone in there. You got to go hunt that spot and be done with it. And I'll let you know if and when I'm hunting it. So we don't, you know, we don't tangle or kill that spot. We don't want to have a bunch of pressure. These spots, I, I try and pick the areas that guys don't want to go into. And most of the time, guys will be agreeable. Man, no problem. I'd love to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I tell them, hey, if, you know, you get to the point where you arrow a deer or shoot a deer in here, pull out of the spot, but play it forward is find a guy that's struggling or was struggling like you were, send him to the spot, but go now, venture off now that you've notched that tag and take what you learned here into an area that you have worked. That's how I handle it. Now, some guys, well, that's public land. Yeah, but I'm giving you a spot, right? Yeah, it's public land, but don't take advantage of, I I don't know, for the kindness, (laughs) me wanting to see you successful. You know what I mean? Yes. You're, no, you're exactly right. So they, they think, oh, it's public land. It's just a spot. It's my property too, right? Public landowners. And I get that. That's fine. But you didn't spend 10 years deciphering and, and like picking apart this Rubik's Cube that is this honey hole that I'm about to put you in that has become sacred to me. You didn't do that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoon feed you a spot. So to, to give me any guff about not being able to bring anybody else back up there because it's I would be very intolerant of that. I'm, you asked how I kind of handle it. I guess it depends on how much whiskey I've had. It's, <laughs> I'm much more generous when I've, I, I won't, I won't give my, so we, we hunt a spot that is, we call it the meadow that we hunt and we've killed a pile of elk in there. Um, and we've probably, we've had way more opportunities than, than we've actually killed in there. Um, is it's it's become sacred we um to the point where i won't i'll 
I can bring you there and I'll, you can hunt with me while, you know, while I'm hunting either rifle season or archery season. Um, but I'll never tell anybody the coordinates, uh, to my, to my, (laughs) right. I'll bury you if I find you. Right. So, so there's that, that's, that's the sacred spot. Right. But then there are other spots that I've hunted where I know, I know there are elk. Um, I don't hunt them nearly as much. Uh, and so if a guy's struggling, especially guys that have kids, I got a soft spot in my heart for a dude that's going out with his kid for the first time. And he's trying to do what we're doing, right. Which is furthering that support for their kids. I'll put him in, in a different unit where I know there's elk, um, because I've been in there and shot him before, but, but, uh, I won't, I won't let them sit on my, my sacred spot unless I'm, I'm in there with them. Yeah. And I, and I think too, to a point that we do a disservice if we don't, if we don't open their eyes to the work that it takes to actually go and forge their own path in it. I think we do them a disservice with it. I agree. And, and so to that, to that end, I've, I've taken guys up there. Um, and there are some guys that are just so appreciative and I love guys like that. I took a guy for a rifle season three years ago and it was his first elk hunt. We were five hours in five hours into his first elk hunt. And I brought in this six by six bull and he shot him in the neck at like 60 yards uh, and put down, I mean, five hours in this guy is spoiled forever now. <laughs> like we, we literally, I'm like, you don't, you don't grasp what just happened. He goes, no, man, I get it. I go, no, you don't, you don't understand. You could go 10 years and not see another elk. Um, so I, I, I love that stuff, but the, 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 I guess when you have some success, I want to share, right? I bring pictures back and I'm, I talk these stories and I just love it so much. And I share it on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. And when guys see that you have success, there are some that really want to, I mean, fish for an invite and that's fine. I get it. But, but they don't want to put in that, that work um, that, that you've put in to that spot, right? They want it kind of spoon fed. They, and if, if I'm honest, I think there are a lot of folks that think we go up, we shoot an elk on opening morning and then we come home and it's that easy and they don't realize it until you put a you put a chubby guy in the woods i've got guys i've been lucky too i've got i've taken a, a bunch of chubby guys that have never come back because we hunt a pretty hard hard spot to get to it's not far from the road but it's super steep um, and so a lot of guys don't come back because of that and i'm fine with that but um yeah it's it's uh i don't know i don't know i'm still trying to figure out how i walk that line by you know furthering the sport and being generous with what, what I've accumulated and totally blowing out my spot. Yeah. That's a rough one, man. It it is a, it is a very fine line and I've been fortunate. I've only had one guy kind of blow the rule on me and I gave him and I actually went in and gave him just crossed paths. And I'm like, wait a minute, bro. Like we had a conversation and I just gave them, gave him more crap than I gave his buddy. Um, right. And I'll probably catch some grief about it. And his buddy was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't even feel right about the situation, (laughs) but it was just like, wow, you know, I'm trying to help you, but here you are, you stepping on, stepping on my toes here. Right. It's just not a, not a cool situation. Then I have a guy that I gave my area to and he puts cams in and he's sharing the pictures and it's like, man, great, you know, keep after it. Um, and, you know, he's like, hey, man, look what I, I found this on, you know, this is on this spot. And he's sending me the waypoints and whatnot. And, and that's the kind of 
that's the kind of relationship you want to build with that, right? He's excited now. He's venturing off and he's looking at other areas and he has, you know, cameras set in his own spot now, um, as well yeah. as, you know, the honey hole. So it's cool. It's like, okay, he's blossomed. And that was, that's the hope when I do that is that these guys will get it. And, uh, you know, that that's my buddy, Eric, he actually lives down the street and he's, that dude's great, man. It's like, that's what it's about right there. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a lot more tolerant of guys like that. When I say guys like that, like, I, I I don't actively seek out to take new people every year. I definitely don't do that. But, you know, some guys drop out of the group and some guys want to come in. And so I try and keep a balance. But I'll tell you, the guys I'm the most, like, like not, not tolerant, I say accepting of the guys that I want to go the most are the ones that are actively putting out the, the good stuff. And I'm not saying I'm getting anything out of it, but the guy that wants to go up, because I've taken guys who are like, I want to go. I'm like, okay, let's go. So I take them up. He doesn't work out. He doesn't eat right. He doesn't practice his calling. He shoots his bow very minimally, right? He doesn't do all of the stuff that he needs to be doing to prove that he wants to be there. He wants me to go up, lasso an elk, tie it to a tree. He can shoot it and then walk back out like a hero. Those are the guys I'm not real, real thrilled with. The guys though that, that I'm like, hey, I, you want to, they go, Gabe, I want to go elk hunt with you. I'm like, all right, cool. Practice calling because I'm the only jackass in my group that, that really knows what I'm saying when I'm calling. Right. And so I love the guys that are willing to put in the practice, you know, and drive their wives nuts on learning how to call. And they're listening to the, all the podcasts and the elk hunting videos. And they're, they're getting ready by, by eating right and getting in shape. And I'm not in the best shape, but, but they're doing the right things so that I'm not quote babysitting right on the mountain. Mm, carrying um, pack weight. That's what they amount to. I mean, sorry, fellas, yep. if that's you, but it's pack weight and it is the yeah. most frustrating thing to put in what you're all that energy, that effort, 364 days. Yeah. And that to have that extra pack weight, like, you know, it, it just, it Oh is. man. Well, because then, then I'm, I'm, I've spoiled hunts before. And I shouldn't say that. I, 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 I didn't put in as much as I knew I could because I had to wait on the, you know, a, a buddy of mine. And, and don't get me wrong. I love these guys and the relationship is worth more than the hunt, but it does get a bit frustrating when, when you're dragging somebody through the woods, um, especially when you get to day three or four and they're just spent. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a line. We, we, you know, it's a balance. We're, we'll figure it out eventually. And it's hard I kind of only, I I feel like a little bit of an a-hole with it all, but it's hard when you're, again, you're so passionate about something and you know the amount of work and energy that you put into it. And, and it's almost, it's not there. It's not, it's not about me. It's not, they're not reciprocating the same appreciation for what I love so much. And, and maybe I shouldn't hold that over someone's head and, and, and be judgy. Um, but it is what it is. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, so but, but the thing is you can't even explain to, I mean, you talked earlier in the, in the, in the podcast about, I don't even know the words to explain to you what I feel mm-hmm. when I'm doing this. Right. right. So uh, I, it, it's, it's really hard for me to explain to a new guy why I'm so protective because he doesn't get the boot leather that we've put on the ground, the amount of learning that we've done. Like we said, to, to cultivate the spot, uh, all this, and I'll say you—you you talked about him earlier, Stephen Ranella. I'll say I don't know that he fully encompasses what I'm feeling, but that guy is very articulate, and he can—he can put into words um, really close to what I'm feeling. So, 
I, I just don't, I don't have the words to be able to explain and really put the level of emphasis on what I'm about to show you and where I'm about to take you to make you understand the amount of work and literal blood and tears, right, and sweat that have gone into this spot. I, there's nothing I can say that'll make you realize what I'm about to, to, to take you into this, like, I call it sacred for a reason. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you. Hey, mofo. <laughs> right. That's how that conversation is going to start as soon as I see it. inkling. <laughs> yeah. Well, shoot, yeah. man. So anything else, man, you want to get out there, touch on, um, shout outs to the hunting buddies, anything before we wrap it? Yeah, really. I, I would just, just as far as like the EXO guys go, Mark from EXO, uh, he's, a, he's a saint on earth. And I should say, I mean, like guys that, that are putting out the amount of, cause, cause to your point, when, when you started, you didn't have all you had, I mean, you had like field and stream, right? You got a couple of magazines. So, uh, the guys that are actively going out there and catching a ton of crap over, over spewing the amount of like valuable content that these guys are. So I'm a huge fan of the elk nut. Like if I could hunt with, I mean, anybody it'd be, I, I, I want to go hunt with Jesus and the elk nut. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, Corey Jacobson, I mean, these guys, I, I know that guy takes crap every day for the amount of, of like content that he puts out that helps other elk hunters because there are guys out there that subscribe to the, the, you know, the, the theory that he's going to ruin elk hunting for the rest of us by telling everybody else how to be so successful. I think that's, that's bogus. So yeah, just those guys. If you're out there and you are super knowledgeable and you're putting out good content to help the guys like me who don't have the time to, to be a guide, right? Who don't have the time to get out there and spend the amount of time in the woods that I'd like to. But, but you've put me on, on elk indirectly. I love those guys. So my biggest one right now like this is Paul Medell. Um, I, I listen to his stuff and I'm not kidding. I, I, you hear all the time online, right? Don't, don't call, don't call. If they're quiet, you should be quiet. Mimic them, all that stuff. I listen to him and I'm like, that's bogus. I'm not calling enough. Um, I went from one, well, maybe one to three accidental encounters a year, right? Where I just happened to see elk running across a field to the first year I really started like subscribing to what Paul was saying and doing these sequences and stuff like that. I called him nine bulls by myself on, on multiple setups in about a five day season. I still didn't kill one, but but I called in nine. Yeah, but bulls. that's I mean, in the elk woods, getting that many bulls to come in one, even without a shot opportunity, in my opinion, is a successful go at it. I, I agree, totally agree. So you said you said shot outs, not to make it any any longer than it needs to be. But Paul Medell is like my hero. So him, you, I mean, I mean, man, you're just you're you're doing it, whether you you believe it or not. You're furthering the sport, right? Um, you resonate with, I'm not saying you resonate with everybody, right? But you're resonating with someone, obviously. And we talked earlier about, you know, the, the type of engagement you're getting. It's just cool. It's, it's, I, I couldn't be more proud or more stoked to be a part of this industry at this time. It's just, it's amazing the amount of, of good that you can put out into the world with a cell phone and a microphone. Okay. You know? I appreciate that, man. I made the list yeah. with Paul Medell and Mark and <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Medell and Mark and I shouldn't say, I mean, Steve at XO2, they're just, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't rave enough about them. And then, you know, as a kind of a competitor, right. I've listened to a lot of, of uh, Aaron Snyder too. 
that guy has, he is one of those guys that has indirectly helped me to kill stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, you know, I can't, I can't thank those guys enough. And there's, I mean, I can send out free gifts every now and again, but it doesn't come anywhere close to what those guys have provided to the community um, throughout their time. It's just cool. Value, man. It's all the value and for, you know, it's furthering it, you know, those, those guys helping the new guys. I'm again, I'm a, I'm a preemie man when it comes to elk. So consuming all that, you know, all that information is, uh, is beyond helpful. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm telling you, Paul, Paul has, and I tell everybody, I can, like, I don't care if the cable guy is coming over to set up. I'm like, Hey, do you know who Paul Medell is? Right. <laughs> I, I show him the elk racks on the wall and I'm like, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a fangirl. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. okay. It's okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Gabriel, I, uh, I can't say thank you enough, man, for the time. It was a great conversation. Um, wish you the best in your, Hunts with the boys the rest of the season, man. And, uh, yeah, we got to chop it up. And I want to get one of those uh, get one of those holsters coming, man, and get that sucker in the woods. Yep. You let me know. I'll get you taken care of, man. I genuinely appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm humbled, truly. Just like, I, like you said earlier, I, am, I know who I am, and I am one of the small guys. And it's just cool that, that um, you have – invited me onto the platform i don't mean to get all mushy about it but no. it means a lot heck yeah man i appreciate you on i'm a small guy too yeah no no problem i'm in my garage bro <laughs> so, <am I>. yep. <laughs> so yep. perfect man well good man um again thank you very much and best of luck on the rest of your season man thanks so much guy Absolutely. Appreciate it. thank you for listening Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code WESTERNCONTOURS at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.